The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for listening in. Also want to say a rowdy, a rousing thank you to our sponsors uh, all across the state of Mississippi. I uh, appreciate you and for making it possible not only uh, for the people to hear us over the airways, but also to join us as we stream around the world on the grand internet. So, uh, Bubba... Somebody said something to me a few years ago, and it was one of those things that really sunk in, and I heard it, and it made sense to me. It said that when we are dealing with other humans in this course of human events, um, that we judge ourselves based on our intent, and we judge other people based on their results. Let's let that sink in for a minute. So I intended yeah, to be have, a we're good. We're going to have to dissect this a little uh-huh. bit. So I intended to be a good friend to you. Mm-hmm. Now I may not have called you when you were sick. I may not have brought you a cake when you had a birthday, and I may not remember the name of your children. But I intended to. Mm-hmm. But now you may be judging me on the fact that I never come when you're sick, and I never remember your birthday, and I insult your children because I don't know their names. Okay. So you're looking at my results. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my intent. Right. And we probably do that through rose-colored glasses, don't we? I'm, I'm sure uh, in many aspects you do that. Yeah, so we're at the Advisors Roundtable, mostly here to talk about your financial life. Mm-hmm. Okay? So let's talk about the intents most people have with their finances and their own financial life, their own financial plan, and look at the real results. Okay. So let's say that you're a young adult, you're graduating high mm-hmm. school or college, getting that first job, maybe married, maybe have a child, yeah. early to mid-20s. What's your yeah. intent with your finances? My intent is to be a millionaire by age 25. <laughs> oh, yeah. A multimillionaire by age 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, have the opportunity to, uh, to retire early oh. at age 35. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe even start a second career at age 35 or a second venture. I think you're getting past intents and going to wishes. Well, <laughs> intense wishes, right? All right. So, so I, I what, think... What do they uh, say? The road to hell is paved with good intentions? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I, I think it is. And, and it, given the situation we just described... Those may be people's wishes. So they, they sit down, they make that list of wishes, and then they're going to take some actions toward those wishes, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. All right, so their intent is to follow through on a course of action that will make their wishes come true. Mm-hmm. Okay? But then the real reality five years later of what happened. Yeah, life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard for me to, all of those wishes you just came mm-hmm. up with, it's hard for me to attain that on 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. Huh? Multimillionaire. Well, so let me let me put it this way. Um, you know, looking back on, on my career, and I, I, I can be uh, guilty of this as well, I think. We all can, sure. Um, 
when I started my career, I was making uh, what I thought at the time was decent money. Mm-hmm. You know, my starting salary uh, at UBS Payne Weber was $30,000 annually. Okay. Now, what they don't tell you is that after six months, that starting salary starts to, to decline. Because they expect that you have taken your test, your examinations, mm-hmm. your insurance examinations, mm-hmm. and you're at that point producing, okay. right? Okay. You're meeting with clients, having new clients come in, depositing money with you. You're selling mutual funds and stocks and insurance. So you're going to get commissions you're or fees? You're going to get commissions and fees. Okay. Uh, and, you know, on those... Uh, is supposed to supplement your salary, right? Okay, so it started at 30 and it started to slide down. started to slide down and it's usually all gone within about a year and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. That fast? That fast. Mm, Okay. And Um, this was in about 20 years ago? uh, It was uh, 2002, so almost 20 years ago, Okay. right? All right. Um, but I, I say that um, because when I was in Atlanta at the time, we that there was kind of a running joke uh, that you would say, yeah, you know, come to Atlanta, the home of the, the $25,000 a year salary that's driving a BMW. <laughs> So you, you've got yeah. that lifestyle shift or that mm-hmm. lifestyle demand that you feel mm-hmm. like you have to meet with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, granted at the time I was spending a lot of time in the car anyway, and mm-hmm. I had a BMW. I had mm-hmm. a three series BMW. Mm-hmm. It was not a new one. It was a mm-hmm. used one. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, I, I kind of fell into that trap. Yeah. Now, it was a good car and I yeah. used it. And I, uh, But turns out that it wasn't quite the right size and right fit for me, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, Long mm-hmm. term. So I had another car after that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I think anybody can can go into the, the anticipation. My intent well, yeah. is that I'm going to make a lot of money, a lot of money right. and I'm going to be able to support a lifestyle that I want to have. You're going to save and invest, yep. mm-hmm. and you're going to be rich. Yep. But then the reality comes in and, and, and hits you, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know. These these bills really add up, you know. <laughs> yeah. If it, you know, my salary is declining now, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have to mm-hmm. produce, right? Um, and which takes extra time. All that other mm-hmm. time you thought maybe you were going to earn the fees or the the commissions or the the salary yeah. or the overtime, mm-hmm. whatever, based right. on your individual situation. And mm-hmm. uh oh. Real life slaps you, yeah. and the real results come in. Yeah. You had the dreams, mm-hmm. you had the intent, but then the results come yeah. in. And, and it was odd the way they did that salary. So after you, after three months, I think it was after three months, it started declining. Mm. And if you met certain hurdles, you got to keep a portion of that salary. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so in other words, your salary would decline less if you were meeting certain goals. Okay. All right. So if you were making more money mm-hmm. or meeting your hurdles and your goals, your your salary would, would stick around a little bit longer, not much longer. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't meet those goals, then it went away a whole lot quicker. Oh, boy. And I think that was their way of weeding people out. Okay. Did they do a good job of weeding people out? Uh, uh, yes, they did. Um, <laughs> so um, my training class, and this was nationwide when I was at UBS Payne Weber, I think was about 120 or so people. Okay, right. came in in, in 2002. No, 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 no. This was during like the month 
oh. that I started my training class. So there might have been, um, you know, 900 to 1,000 different financial advisors that were hired that year with UBS Payne Weber. Throughout the whole year. Throughout the whole You're year. You're just talking about your training. But my month. training class, right, okay. right, nationwide was about 120 folks. Okay. And at the end of three years, I was one of four left at the company. <laughs> yeah, I'd say they weeded them out yeah. pretty fast uh-huh. and pretty, four, pretty quickly. Uh, four to six, you know, I, I think somewhere in that neighborhood. In the beginning, though, the intent yeah. of every one of them was mm-hmm. to become, you know, the ne- next major money manager right. and Peter Lynch mm-hmm. and all yeah. that sort of stuff, right? And I would say of those 120, I would say that uh, about 80% of them were no longer in the business. In the industry at all. In the industry at all. Another 20 uh, or 15% went to fill other roles within the industry and were not, you know, client facing financial advisors. And, the, you know, probably the other five were still in the business. So it's a, a high washout rate. I'd say yeah. so. We're going to um, come up against a break here. At the end of uh, this break, when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion about intent and results. Advisors Roundtable, Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Bubba Levis and yours truly Greg Cooley with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So we're talking about our intents and our real results related to our financial lives. Well, uh, two or three things I think I want to point out on the front end related to most people's intent. Most people intend to do well financially. That's the reason you get up in the morning and you you work and you balance your checkbook and you try to save a little bit and you don't want to have too much debt and all of those kinds of things. Our intent is to do that. And one of the ways that um, I have seen people try to get there is they try to come up with some personal rules, like some personal mantras. Right. You know, these these things I'm going to do, these things I'm not going to do. So here's one that, uh, you know, I've heard people say, I'm never going to use debt. Mm-hmm. I was in debt one time, and I have gotten out, and I'm never, ever going to be indebted to the other person. Because mm-hmm. I re- remember that Bible verse that says yeah. what? The, the debtor the, is slave to the lender. To the lender, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That sounds good, Yeah. right? And I understand the intent. In fact, there are people who write books that make you feel like that if, when you die, you're going to go to the bad place if you have any debt at all. Right. I would like for people, and I understand their intent, but what's the real result of your financial life if you make a hard and fast rule that I'm never going to use debt again? I, th- I think making hard and fast rules are absolutes in this case because you never, right? Mm-hmm. That's an absolute. You're mm-hmm. never going to use debt again, mm-hmm. right? And if you stick to that, then it limits um, it limits the opportunities and or options you have available to you. Okay. All right. So let's talk about a couple of the opportunities and options mm-hmm. that... See, I would rather somebody tell me, Greg, if they're going to use the word never, instead of I'm never going to use debt again, I'd like for them to say I'm never going to misuse debt. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a better better way to. All right. To so do that. what what are these options and opportunities mm-hmm. that are available with the correct use yeah. of debt? Yeah. What are they? Uh, all right. So um, uh, first and foremost, I think of is is purchasing or acquiring a business. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say that um, Daddy Phil uh, uh, Warbucks Phil over there mm-hmm. has got a um, 
I don't know, a pressure washing business. Okay. And he's got an, a, a, a truck and some equipment and pressure washing machines and mm-hmm. you name it, whatever else. And and he's getting maybe a little bit older and wanting to retire. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know what, I want to I want to sell this business. I've got a list of clientels that I uh, you know that I go see on an annual basis. Yeah. Uh, I've got all this equipment. I've I'm got over sixty years old. I want to go to Tahiti every right. now and then. Right. Okay. So I've got my business and I've got all my equipment for sale for, I don't know, $100,000, let's say. Okay. Uh, maybe it's 50000 I don't know. Whatever the number Whatever is. the number is. He came up with a valuation of his business. Mm-hmm. And he comes knocking on some young person's door and yeah. says, you look like you have a strong back and a good yeah. mind. Mm-hmm. And a good work ethic. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and then I, I say you know what, I think this is a good business. Mm. And all these years, you know, Daddy Warbucks Phil over here has been pulling down forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year out of this business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really good income, yeah. I think, after expenses and everything. After everything's paid, that's what he's pulling in, $50,000 a year. And quite actually, you know, in this particular situation, Phil didn't have to work every day. No, he didn't. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the time, uh, you would think, in the mm-hmm. pressure washing business, he doesn't work when it rains. Yeah. Probably doesn't work when it's freezing weather. Right. So to you, you're going to work every mm-hmm. doggone day at yeah. the plant. Mm-hmm. Yay? That's right. And you're thinking, I'm working every day mm-hmm. for $40,000 right. a year. Maybe I could have where I only work 70% yeah. of the time. And only work on the pretty days. Oh, yeah. Yadoki. Yeah. You're starting to mm-hmm. sell it to me. Yeah. But do you have $100,000 cash? I, or 50000 Whatever the m- number is, maybe I don't have that. Mm-hmm. But if I can see an opportunity where I'm going to earn, mm-hmm. and granted it's work, yeah. right? Well, where yeah. I can earn fifty thousand dollars a year, and all I would have to pay is fifty to a hundred thousand dollars for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm I'm almost thinking about taking that any day of the week, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so you used the correct mm-hmm. use of debt in your example here would be to go to a bank or somebody who would yeah. lend you this money. Or Phil, maybe he'll oh, finance it to me. Okay, it's the same difference, right? It is. You're still borrowing the money. Oh, uh, now you've opened up another opportunity mm-hmm. there, another yeah. way of doing it, another option. And if I say I'm never going to use debt, and well, I don't have the money for that, mm-hmm. you know, well, Phil's not going to wait around. He's going to go on to the next fellow that's got fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, he may even go on to the next fellow that's got forty five thousand dollars. <laughs> So he can move his equipment. Yeah. You know? And Tahiti's calling. Yeah, man. that beach is calling his name. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else may be mm-hmm. able to buy it. And you were, in our example, mm-hmm. completely shut out of it because yep. you had a rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, what about housing? You know, that's another big oh, one. Oh, that's right? another option for the correct use of debt. Right. Uh, well, in my opinion, I think it is. Okay. So um, what are your options when it comes to housing? To buying a house? Yeah. Well, well, just housing in general. Well, I could rent. You can rent. Yeah. You can buy. You could buy. Or you can live under an underpass or in your parents' basement. <laughs> yeah. And number four has become yeah. increasingly the option for a number of people. Right. But my mama yeah. would have kicked my rear end out. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about the first two. Mm-hmm. I can rent or I can buy. Yeah. If yeah. you're renting, I mean, you could take this a little bit further and stay... You know, uh, the renter is still slave to the landlord. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent. To a certain right. extent. Right. 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 Now, granted, you're paying for uh, 
shelter and a roof over your head, and you're mm-hmm. you're getting whatever your perceived value is out of that. And you may not have to pay mm-hmm. insurance and taxes and all that stuff like you and upkeep right. like you would if you yeah. owned. So not necessarily the the discrepancy or discussion about should you rent or should you own. No, right? we'll get to that in another day. Yeah. Okay. But you've got the option to rent, uh-huh. or you've got the option to buy. Yeah, it's kind of the mm-hmm. American dream to yep. buy. Mm-hmm. You know, and my wife wants to own something where that when she digs in the dirt, it, doggone it, it's hers. Right. And when she puts those flowers out there, they're doggone it, hers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if she wants to paint the wall chartreuse, it's hers. Sure. And so because of that, uh, most of us lean toward the buying, the owning. Mm-hmm. How many people have fifty, a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars cash? Yeah. When they're thirty. And in this case, you know, thirty thousand dollars would be a typical down payment for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. Okay. Yeah. Do they have thirty thousand dollars laying around? Mm-hmm. Usually not. Mm-hmm. How long does it take for you to accumulate thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars? Yeah. So I'm probably going to have to use debt Mm -hmm. to be able to buy this dream. Now, mathematically, the Mm -hmm. reason you and I think that that would be the correct use of debt is because most of the time you're paying at or below the interest rate Mm -hmm. of the increase in the value of the asset. That's right. Okay, mm-hmm. so basically what that's saying is you buy a $100,000 house, we think the $100,000 house is probably going to go up somewhere between 3 and 6% a year, mm-hmm. and you're probably going to pay less than the 6% in interest. Right. So in the long run, on paper, this is a decent financial decision, mm-hmm. right? Right. You increased in value more than you had to mm-hmm. pay for the use of the debt, mm-hmm. Okay. And, and on top of that, uh, usually with payments, you are increasing equity in that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Every time I make a payment, mm-hmm. more of it is mine. Right. Karen and I, when we first, you know, 30-something years ago, fin- financed our first mm-hmm. house, you know, at the end of two or three months, you'd go, that window's mine. Mm-hmm. Two or three months yeah. later, that window's mine. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I ask us, babe, when we're going to own the shower? What was the... Uh, <laughs> What was the first interest rate that you had? Oh, this tells my age. Ten percent. Mine was six and a half. Was it? And I thought I got a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You did. Yeah. You know, compared mm-hmm. to my ten percent. Right. Now my ten percent yeah. I was probably paying that mm-hmm. fifteen to twenty years before yeah. you started. But still, mm-hmm. uh, historically we're at rates now where it really makes sense going back to my mathematical. Right. Thing. For you to buy something that you increasingly own more of the equity, it goes up in value, and you're not paying that high of uh, an interest rate if you qualify, mm-hmm. and you got a decent. In- so those are correct uses of debt. So when you hear somebody say, I ain't ever going to use debt, you're thinking, you're limiting yourself? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're hearing? Well, generally, I just don't like absolutes. Okay. But Yeah, because it does limit yourself. Yeah. and, and Or it limits you. Your point about not liking absolutes is a major mm-hmm. point of our practice. Right. When we talk to people about their financial lives, mm-hmm. we love flexibility. Flexibility and options. We do. We want you to be able to get in, get out. Mm-hmm. We want, want you to be able to understand. We want you to be able to learn. We want you to be able to increase, decrease. We want you uh, multiple different kinds of accounts because of tax ramifications of a Roth as compared to a traditional. Sure. Uh, there's so many different things here at stake when we use the term flexibility, mm-hmm. man. Right. We need 
as much flexibility because you know what? Life happens. Mm-hmm. And I've got no idea about tomorrow, what it looks like, what the government's going to do, what interest rates are going to do. I need some flexibility. And you get flexibility by not having absolutes. Mm-hmm. Number one, you don't like it when I put an absolute on you. Yeah. Why do you put an absolute on yourself? Okay? So that's one point that people make, and I think their intent is one thing, but the results are the other. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of others that I want to bring up here on the Advisors Roundtable as we go to break. See you on the other side of the break right here on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio with Uli and Labus, your certified financial planners and residents here. Uh, and today we're talking about what our intents are and what the real results of some of our actions, some of our statements, some of our plans. And the first one we talked about was, I don't want to use debt, but maybe we need to be a little bit more flexible with that absolute. Here's another one. I don't like bonds, Bubba. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I know you say I need to be 80-20, and 80-20 in the long run is maybe going to be what I need, but I don't want any bonds right now. I want to be in those stocks. They're making money. Yep. Now, can you see the reasoning behind why somebody presently would say they're not really attracted to bonds? Absolutely. So I can see a number of reasons, and I could probably sit here and talk you out of buying a bond ever again, right? (laughs) Yeah, you could. All right, so number one, the the present interest rate environment that we're in Mm -hmm. is very low, which means that whatever bonds that you purchase right now, Mm -hmm. let's say that it's a corporate bond paying 4%. Okay. And let's say that we get a slight or even a major increase in rates, and prevailing rates uh, a year from now are going to be 5%, 6%. Pretty substantial increase, okay. right? In rates. So, Daddy Warbucks Phil over there mm-hmm. had a hundred extra thousand dollars lying yeah. under the coffee mm-hmm. table, and, and he, he decides to take the hundred grand and call you up and, and get he's going to buy a bond, and he's getting four thousand dollars a year in okay. income off of it. All right, All right. and I'm, I'm making this up, but yeah. let's just say it's ten year paper. Okay, right. and then next year. Uh-huh. He could go out if he had the money, and he could buy another bond for a hundred thousand dollars and make five thousand dollars a year. Because uh-huh, he he might get five in your example. That's right, five percent interest. So his four percent bond he bought last year is yeah. not worth as much, not as attractive yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that happen right now, or possibly seeing you it could, happen. You could see that happen. Okay. There there could be an argument made that that would it's say that rates are, are it's going coming. Up. So. His hundred thousand dollars, if he were to sell mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. you know, he may only get ninety eight thousand dollars, ninety six thousand dollars on that four percent bond. Yeah. Okay. So he's lost potentially lost. Now, if he holds it to maturity, he hadn't lost anything in ten years. In ten years, uh-huh. but what for- he has lost is that extra thousand dollars a year uh-huh. that he could have been receiving. And I'll tell you what else yeah. he's gotten. Frustration. Yeah. He hears his mm-hmm. Weisenheimer brother talk about that 5% bond yeah. he bought next year mm-hmm. for nine more yeah. years. Yeah. Actually, 10 years because it was a year later that the brother bought it. Right? Yeah. 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 And so he hears this over and mm-hmm. over again. You know, my quarterly check mm-hmm. is $75 more than yeah. your quarterly mm-hmm. check. And, you know, the other thing is, is let's say that he's happy with his bond, right? 
He likes the four percenter. But then he compares it to what the S&P 500 has done over the last year. So he's not just comparing to his brother and his 5% yeah. bond. Mm-hmm. He's comparing to what the S&P has done right. or has the potential to mm-hmm. do. And if the S&P uh, 500 returns 20 plus percent. Woo! Now know, it feels like a failure. Yeah, that's a swift kick in the pants, right? Yeah, I'd say so. He's not really happy. Mm-hmm. So interest rates can have an effect on this. And mm-hmm. so somebody comes in and says to you, Bubba, I don't want any bonds. Yeah. I don't want to hear any of that. I heard you a little bit on the radio. Mm-hmm. I've read a couple Money Magazine articles. And, you know, I mm-hmm. remember a little bit from high school and college economics. And when interest rates go up, bond values go down, mm-hmm. don't give me any bonds. Right. So what do you respond to somebody that needs to be in an 80% stock, 20% bond alternative cash position so in you, a situation? So usually like the response is, is something like this. Um, if you don't want to own any bonds, then you need to be aware that you're taking on added risk mm-hmm. because you're reducing the amount of diversification that you have. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you reduce the amount of diversification you have, that basically means that you've got more eggs in one basket, in the stock basket, yeah. right? Yeah. And we're not against the stock basket. Not at in all. In fact, we were okay with 80% of your money mm-hmm. being over there. Yeah. But. What does 20% in bonds really do for you? Okay. Uh, it's a diversifier, number one. You own other asset classes. Mm-hmm. You own asset classes that are not going to move in correlation with what the stock market is doing. Let's spend a moment on that. Okay. Where it's not in correlation. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if the stock market takes a correction mm-hmm. and the stock market goes down 25%, yep. most of the stocks in your 80% portfolio are going to go down. That's right. They're going to, and usually about 25%. Okay. And that would mean that they're one-to-one correlated. The correlation factor of stocks to stocks is one. Yeah. All right. The other 20% Mm -hmm. that in this portfolio we said over time you may need based on your Mm -hmm. risk tolerance, and that's pretty risky. Yeah. 80-20 is pushing it up. I I would say that's moderately aggressive. Uh Uh-huh. All right, more so, more on the aggressive side yeah, than moderately yeah, aggressive. Yeah. Absolutely. So we, we you've you've already mm-hmm. set yourself up to be a little aggressive and mm-hmm. a little risky here. But maybe your personality and all of your risk analyses say that that's where you need to be. But that other twenty percent in my example, where the market goes mm-hmm. down, if it's not correlated, that one to one thing, yeah, it's not going to go down as much. That's right. Is that like a buffer to me? I, I would say it's like a buffer. Mm. So the the other way to, to describe that is let's say, and I'm making up some numbers here, but let's say that uh, that bonds have a 50% correlation okay. to the stock market. Okay. And, and that's not accurate, but yeah. I'm just using it for reference here. Yeah, you got to make a point. Yeah. Um, and let's say that you had a 25% decline in the stock market. Mm-hmm. You may only have a twelve and a half percent decline mm-hmm. uh, in in the bonds that you own. Okay, all right. Which means that um, at that time the bonds are more attractive. To yeah. Me. Mm-hmm. Right now they may not be attractive to me. Right. I may not want them. Mm-hmm. Now in this other twenty percent, where I said yeah. I was going to have eighty, this eighty twenty ratio. We'll have 80% in the stocks for this moderately mm-hmm. aggressive aggressive person. And 20%, it's not all in bonds right. usually, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Where's this 20% sometimes made up? Of? Well, you may own real estate, okay, which is another uh, asset class that is not directly correlated to the stock market. Okay. You, you may own things like managed futures, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a whole other topic for another day, but uh, think of it as uh, interest rates, commodities, uh, uh, hard commodities like coffee and pork bellies. It may be where you have your gold. It may be gold related. Um, but you know, with that asset class, they can go long or short. Okay. Meaning that they can go bet against the market or for the market in those asset classes. All right. That may have a zero correlation to stocks. Absolutely. In other words, that market could be up, down, sideways, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't care what stocks are doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the ex- examples I've used before when I'm trying to explain to somebody this uh, non-correlation to the stock market mm-hmm. that some of these other asset classes have is like, just think of it logically. If the stock market were to go down 20, 30, 40, 50 percent mm-hmm. and people get scared, a lot of times they sell, which is not probably a good idea, but a lot of times they sell. And where do they go run to safety? Yeah. Where do they take that money? Well, sometimes they take it to banks, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's in money markets and CDs and cash and whatever. But a lot of times, that's where they buy real estate. That's right. That's where they buy gold. Mm-hmm. That's where they buy pork bellies. That's where they buy things, um, you know, oil futures, because mm-hmm. they think, you know, the stock market may go down, but people still got to put gas in their car. Right. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll run to those things. Well, if you already own them, huh? Mm-hmm. What happens when extra dollars chase an asset class or an asset value? Usually they increase in value. They might yeah. go up mm-hmm. during the time that that other thing came down. Right. So that somebody that comes in with a hard and fast rule just because of what's happening now, mm-hmm. today, and want to make a hard and fast rule, yeah. I don't want no bonds. Yeah. Their intent was to say, I hate bonds, I don't want to own any bonds. The mm-hmm. result is is that they probably have a lot more uh, risk added to their por- portfolio. Yep, and they set themselves up for later on not having as much of a buffer mm-hmm. and maybe not having as much profit. Right. So that intent, having a rule, and, and we love mm-hmm. rules, man. Yeah. I mean, my kids, they're always like, mm-hmm. Daddy's got a rule for that, whatever it is. You know, how to set the table, he's got a rule for that. How to wash the clothes, he's got a rule for that. So I love the rules. I love guidelines, basically. But on the other hand, sometimes these hard and fast ones cost us. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so the first one about, I don't want to use any debt. How about we say we don't want to misuse debt? Mm -hmm. Now, I want to revisit that one in a couple minutes we have before the break. I don't want to misuse debt. Some people can misuse it. My favorite example of this is uh, somebody who has put a pair of blue jeans on a credit card. (laughs) And they're still paying the bill on the credit card, and the blue jeans don't fit anymore. (laughs) Now, there's a slap in the face. That's misuse of debt. That's misuse of debt. Yeah, you know, that $75 for that Mm -hmm. designer pair of blue jeans you just had to have Mm -hmm. after the summer when you were in summer shape and you could fit into a size 8. And I don't know where you're buying your designer blue jeans, but they don't cost $75. It shows how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> Out of touch I yeah. am. I haven't bought a pair of jeans mm-hmm. in forever myself. My kids bought me some for uh, the, the Christmas. They told me they had the right kind of leg dimensions. Okay. 
I'm a 60-year-old man. Yeah, uh-huh. What kind of leg dimensions <laughs> yeah. for blue jeans? Right. <laughs> the back of my head exploded. Mm-hmm. What the heck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I let the rest of you people out there have some kind of mental image mm-hmm. of a 60-year-old bald man and yeah. concerned about leg dimensions of his blue jeans. Right. <laughs> But it happened to me. We're up against another break at the uh, Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk. We'll see you. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you on Super Talk Radio. And we're talking about what we really intend with our finances and sometimes what the real result is. Maybe sometimes we don't even hear ourselves related to it, intent and result until it's really broken down for us with somebody who gives us some objective advice and listens to us. So here's one, Bubba. Um, I don't want to do a Roth conversion because it's going to cost me taxes. And above all, I don't want to pay taxes. Now, how many people do you know that is their number one financial goal every year? Yeah. Not, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. Now, that yeah. sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. But then you turn around. <laughs> what do you say? That you would rather related to taxes? I would rather pay a million dollars a year in taxes. And why is that? Well, if I pay a million dollars a year in taxes, that means that I've made probably about four to five million dollars. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And and if I stay down mm-hmm. there in the income bracket where I yeah. don't have to pay mm-hmm. any taxes, yeah. I'm only gonna make be making thirty or forty grand. That's right. Your goal is to pay more taxes, mm-hmm. and the way you do that is make more money. That's right. Yeah. So are you Look at Elon Musk. Ooh. Elon Musk, I think it was in the, in the news last week, um, and I think his estimated tax bill is $10 billion yeah. this yeah. year. Yeah. And he or was, for last year. And he was smiling when they announced yeah. that. Yeah, he was. Why? Because he made 50. That's right. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so paying more taxes... Now, I know we hire our CPA to try to help us do our taxes, Mm -hmm. okay? Right. And many times their intent is to try to keep your tax bill as low as possible. Right. And obviously, I'm sure Elon asked his Mm -hmm. CPAs to get his as low as possible, and they came out and said $10 billion. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't afraid of the tax. Right. It's, but it, and, I, and I think many people who say that, that, that say that I don't want to pay any tax, mm-hmm. are afraid of the tax. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's uh, because of um, uh, breeding or right. influence mm-hmm. or uh, your mentor, your mom, your dad, whatever. Uh, you don't like the present government, yeah. so you don't trust them. Mm-hmm. You want to throw all the scoundrels out, and so you don't want to pay any tax. Right. Well, it's probably never going to get better throughout your lifetime. Probably not. You know, and the tax is part of our existence because h- how do you get roads and bridges and police and, you know, you pay taxes, soldiers and all that stuff. We're, we're gonna, yeah, you need a good CPA mm-hmm. that makes sure you only pay your fair share, but don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. So I go back to my example where the person said, I don't want to do a Roth conversion because I don't want to pay, t- pay any tax. Why would you ever suggest that somebody voluntarily pay some extra tax? Because that's what you do when you do a Roth conversion, right? Why would you suggest that Daddy Warbucks Phil over there takes his regular IRA and converts it to a Roth? 
Well, maybe, uh, as we talked about yesterday, maybe uh, Daddy Warbucks is living on cat food so that he can leave his kids the most money that he possibly can. I don't see that happening, well, but it does but for some people. It does for some people. Mm-hmm. And let's say that these children that you have are successful in their own right and high-income earners. Mm-hmm. And if they were to inherit an IRA from you, mm-hmm. they would pay tax at their income rate. Maybe you're in a lower-income tax bracket. Mm-hmm. Would it make more sense for you to pay a lower amount of tax as opposed to giving it to your kids when they inherit it and they pay a higher-income tax yeah, I was discussing this with a guy, mm-hmm. God rest his soul, who has passed away now. He was one of my earlier clients, and I really liked this guy. This guy was from Poland, mm-hmm. and he was absolutely concentrated on the fact that his town needed to have a leaf-sucking machine. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right? So this guy came into my office one time, and he told me, he said, you know, I heard you do a presentation one time, and he said, I got to thinking about it. And he said, from a family planning point of view, I probably need to pay that tax. Mm -hmm. I probably need to to go ahead and do that. Now, he had two or three reasons that it was good in his head to do it. First of all, his kids were fairly successful, so they were in higher income Mm -hmm. tax brackets. Here's another statement he made to me, and I will never forget. And he's long gone now, and I don't think his children are listening. So his first name was Bob. Bob made this this comment to me. He said, you know what? It would almost be immoral for me to leave a business to one of my kids where they're only a 70% owner of the business. Mm-hmm. They're a yeah. 30% partner with somebody else. Yeah. And I said, who are they 30% partner with, Bob? Mm-hmm. The IRS. He said, the IRS. Yeah. Now, would you do that to uh-huh. your kids? <laughs> leave Knowingly leave right. them in business with the government, the yeah. IRS. Mm-hmm. And I said, have you explained to them this? And he said, yeah. When I explained it to them that way, they were okay for me taking a little right. bit of this cash mm-hmm. I have and going ahead and paying tax. First of all, son, I'm saving you from paying tax right. in the long run. Secondly, I'm getting you out of business with the IRS. Yeah. Is that really where we are with our 401ks? Yeah. Is that where we are with mm-hmm. our IRAs? Now, we're not against IRAs and 401ks, are we? A- absolutely not, because you get the uh, the tax deferral immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the deferral on the growth mm-hmm. a- as it grows, so, mm-hmm. and, and they're wonderful savings vehicles. They are, and they're automatic, mm-hmm. and most of the time, they, if it's a 401k at work, they have decent investment options, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. We, we're okay with them. But the net of this is you owe tax on that yeah. account. Mm-hmm. So daddy going to die and leave you, daddy Warbucks over there is going to leave you and me that million dollars, you know, that he has. And if it's in an IRA or a 401k rollover or whatever, he's only leaving us 700 Mm -hmm. if you and I are in the 30% tax bracket. Mm -hmm. And so he thinks throughout his lifetime, you know, maybe, maybe I'll pay that tax. Does he have to do it all in one year? No, you can you can break it up. You know, that, here's the other aspect of that that I, I also think is important. Um, would you rather wait and pay tax on whatever it accumulates or grows to mm. or go ahead and pay the tax now and then let that grow tax-free? Oh, so you're saying that if it's a million dollars now. Yeah, and you, a- let's say that you did it all in one year and it was uh, 25%, so you had $750,000 net. net after the tax was paid, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty hefty chunk, right? 
<laughs> but let's say that uh, by the rule of 72, that, mm. um, you know, in 10 years, you could have a $2 million IRA, uh-huh. right? Or a million and a half dollar um, mm-hmm. Roth IRA that was tax-free. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Now, net net, you would think that the amounts are about even after tax, but right? But you know what? You don't know what the tax rates are going to be in the future. You don't. That's right. And and if I were a betting man, I would say mm-hmm. that they're probably going up. If everybody is betting that interest rates are going to mm-hmm. go up because of inflation, what would we be betting over the next 10 years related to tax rates mm-hmm. because of deficits? Right. We're going to have to pay this money back, boys and girls, one of these days for getting us through Corona and out of the last recession. Right. Huh? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to. And it's coming. Interest rates, yes, are probably going up. And everybody's talking about that on the news. But nobody's talking to you about the fact that probably your tax rates are going up. So if somebody in the family's going to pay some tax... Mm-hmm. Why don't you pay it on a known entity? You know what the balance is now. Right. And at a known rate. Mm -hmm. And spread it out over the next two or three or four years. You don't have to do it all in one year. Sure. But you can plan. Mm -hmm. You can say, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm going to sell a couple rent houses over the next two or three years. I'm going to have a little cash Mm -hmm. in the bank. I'll use some of that, pay some of this tax along. Now, first of all, in your lifetime, you're going to have that Roth that's growing tax-free. That's right. And now it's fully available to you mm-hmm. to do withdrawals from. Sure. Tax free. Remember that flexibility thing? Mm-hmm. Where it is now, you're kind of caught. You got rules you got to right. live by. You got less rules you got to live by on the Roth side. And, and and there are even rules after you die. Ooh. On when you have to take the money out. Yeah. When your kids do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of these things with our intent. And the real result of our thoughts, of our rules, of our guidelines, um, of our goals, Mm -hmm. maybe we want to talk to somebody about, hey, what's really the net result of this rule I think I've come up with in my brain? Mm -hmm. Um, And soften the results of some of our misguided intents, maybe. Hope we learned something related to intents and results from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio today. discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the 
appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.